When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today, we got the one and only Travi on the show. How you feeling, man? I feel great, man. Feel yeah. Excellent. Like, I haven't been out here in a long time. And um, I try to keep it to like a week and a half, two tops. But Okay. So it's my second day. Wait, where do you spend your time now? I live uh, upstate New York. Like, oh, okay. out in the fucking woods, bro. Like, really? In the cut. Yeah. What made you want to move there? Um, I mean, between I lived, I grew up upstate, like in between Syracuse and Rochester. Oh, because okay. um, uh, so, I was wondering where Geneva was yeah, when I heard that. Everybody, yeah. everybody says like, "Are you are you Swissish? Swissish?" <laughs> no, I'm not. It's, it's like that in like Maine and shit too, where there's like hella parts of Maine that are like Paris, yeah. Maine. We're just talking like, to your man. He says he's from New Hampshire. Same so here. Yeah, I'm you're from New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. We're from crazy. the same town. That's wild. Yeah. It's deep. It's deep. Like, but, any, but anything above above the city, they consider upstate. You know what right. I mean? So, like, I live upstate now, which is, like, an hour and a half north of the city. But okay. I grew up five hours, like, west, you know what I mean? Like, in between Syracuse and Rochester. Like, okay. smack dab in the middle. Right. And so you just wanted to go back at some point. You just were tired of the fast-paced lifestyle? I just, like, needed that solitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I'd lived in the city for years then in 2009 i moved to miami worst idea ever and like really? i'm a like super introverted person i mean like i kick it at home so like moving to the city to move into the city was the worst idea ever but i stayed there for like 13 years really <laughs> and in 2009 i went to miami and that shit got played in like the first five months so i was like I gotta go back home. And but like, you moved to Miami, what? Like pretty much at the moment where all of a sudden your career was just going nuts. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was all right. You know what I mean, and I was, I was working with uh, Cool and Dre at the time, uh-huh. and they kind of convinced me to move down there. They're like, yo, we can work all the time. Come down here, right? Literally, like a half a year after, after I moved there, they all moved to LA, and I'm like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> okay, <laughs> left me hanging. Let, let's think of that as a preview of what's to come, and let's just go all the way back to the beginning, because it's like, <laughs> the whole story is pretty fascinating to me, because I feel like you're like a super under-discussed, massive influence on the culture these days, and after I did that interview That's with Gata, that really just like stood out to me in, in my head, like he was painting the picture of you and Tyga meeting on Melrose, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm just Q like, was oh, there. like that's it a was, crazy era right there with a, a lot of talent bro. exploding at the same time. I'll never forget that day, man. Like I was just bullshitting. Um, I was staying with Pete from Fall Boy at the time um, in his basement, and uh, he almost killed me. But we we can get into that later, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> Pete Wentz murder charge coming Yo, coming soon. Don't turn ass, this podcast off, bro. It, yeah, it gets it gets intense. Smash the like button, bitch. <laughs> so, I was, so I was staying with Pete, and uh, he would just let me whip his fucking like five hundred thousand dollar bins whenever you know what I'm saying. Because he's like the biggest star in the world at that Jesus, moment, right? H-Mac, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I take the whip and just drive up and down Melrose. I mean, like, I'd never been out here for, like, like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, for that long amount, like, that amount of time. So I'm just sucking it all in and, like, 
I parked the car and I'm walking down and he's, you know everybody's trying to sell mixtapes and shit. I'm like, mm. and like, oh that's that dude, blah blah. I'm like shit. And at first I started I buy I buy him and then I'm like, nah, bro. Like you, there's a point where you gotta say no, you know what I'm saying? Like right. just stop, stop. But I'm so um, glad my time on Melrose was after the mixtape era. Oh my god, that would have definitely been a, a thing. That's still Times Square to this day. Though. We could have like, sold CDs though too, so it would have been <laughs> sick. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm 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 chilling. Um, I think I was can't remember where I was going, but it was Tiger Gator, SB who used to DJ for Tiger, and then. Cute, cute school kids in the back, just like this, like unfazed, and like not that I want anybody to geek out, you know what I'm saying? Like or expect anybody to geek out, but he's just like size me up and shit, and I'm like, what up, bro? <laughs> like, and uh, so Tiger gives me his, his mixtape or, or whatever. But we used to have in, in gym class heroes. We used to have this uh, this label called uh, Roadside Records, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And our our moniker was. Yeah, give us your demo, you know what I'm saying? And we'll sign you, and, and your, your demos hit the streets the same night because we used to throw them shits out the bus window, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, literally stack them up and just throw the bitches out the window. Like, yo, we, like, it was like an inside running joke in between, uh, between me and my drummer. Like, like yo, we should, we should like, cats that would run up with mixtapes. Yo, we should sign on the roadside. Nah, you think so? Yeah, yeah, let's put them on the roadside. <laughs> and then we, we fucked around and blogged what roadside really meant. I think it pissed a lot of people off. But. Right. Is what it is, but yeah, like it was, it was a, a a funny day on Melrose when I met Gator and Tiger. Right. Okay. Um. But okay, let's let's just talk about your uh, childhood and shit. I want to get into like the early days and shit before yeah. we get all the way to the the craziness that has been your life. So, what was your life uh, coming up in Geneva, New York? Like, what was the upbringing like? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm biracial. Um. And Geneva's. It's a small college town, you know what I'm saying? And um, so, but my family is gigantic, like my dad's side of the family. Um, quick preface, like, so my last name is McCoy, MCCOY. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the lineage, an MCCOY married an MCKOY. Like, mm. same last name, spelling, spelled different. So if you're a McCoy in upstate New York, whether it's a C or a K, we're all family, you know what I mean? So, at my dad's side of the family, and my, I, my mom had a little bit of family there, my grandmother and shit. And, um, I mean, I was a fat kid growing up, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'd get busted on all day. And just, that that's kind of like where, like, the internalization started, where I just started keeping to myself and just, like, really getting into music. My dad was a bass player. He still plays bass. So I was, like, uh, definitely in the mix. Like, my dad would be listening to, like, Sly Stone and shit. My mom's, like listening to Def Leppard and fucking Poison with her hair like teased all the way the fuck up here you know what I'm saying like so it was like this crazy like dichotomy of like you know like my dad's side of the family like all b-boys and shit and then like my mom's brothers are metalheads so it was just like what the fuck is going on right like I just soaked it all up you know what I mean wow that's like so unique for that time period in particular like I I just I was actually just having the conversation (laughs) with uh, Toby from H2O about how fucking being a kid, like I remember having friends who would really tell me, like you cannot listen to like hardcore oh, and bro. listen to Jay Z at the same time. It's just not okay. So, this flip that. You know what I mean being black in a small town, right? And one being the fucking sore thumb, no matter where the fuck you're at. Because I've been six foot since like I'm in fifth grade. You know what I mean? So, right. um, 
add like a few hundred pounds to that shit. <laughs> and so, um, you, like, so I, I get tested all the time because you know, what I mean? like, growing up in Syracuse, we go to hardcore shows all the time. Like, okay. And I was the kid there, like, you were Earth President. Like, so they, all these kids are like hardline, straight edge kids, and like, I'm there smoking cigarettes and shit, like, <laughs> getting litty before I go in and, and get going in to whoop some ass, you know what I'm saying? And um, so it was, it was like, I get tested from both sides, you know, go to school and shit, like, and kids would, like, I'd, I'd wear, like, a, like, a, you know, just a band shirt, whatever, like, what, pick a name, throw it in there, and, and, and white kids would be like, name one song off the album, like, bro, why the fuck would I be wearing this shirt? Like, I mean, obviously now it's like, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's like everybody's just rocking whatever the fuck. But I like, saw a tweet today, though, that the metal community is mad at Courtney uh, Kardashian for wearing, like, a Cannibal Corpse shirt. I actually, I actually had to turn my Cannibal Corpse shirt. Uh, I, I can't remember what album it was. It was the one where... Did you turn it inside out at school? I had to turn it inside out. And I had a D's Nuts shirt that made me, made me turn it inside out as well. They, like, they at least had a song called Raped with a Knife. Yo, they had some crazy... <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know I should be laughing, but that's just... You know, they had, like, the worst, meanest, evilest but song titles ever. the graphics yes. ever, like... What was the one with I the- couldn't even believe they were real Yo, when I was real. a kid. Like-, <laughs> like, how is this fucking real? And you know what they were? They were like when Tipper Gore and all them, mm. uh, all the like when senators' they- wives decided they wanted to the protest. Advisory sticker and all that I, shit. I think like they wanted to go at NWA because like they're saying fuck the police, mm-hmm. but they were like, we can't only pick on black people, so we got to the- find some white people some doing metal- some <laughs> fucked up shit too. So we're gonna pick on Cannibal Corpse, exactly. who I think up till that point were kind of just like any old death metal just band, doing like what they, doing whatever fuck they weren't wanted. like begging for the mainstream mm-hmm. to accept them or anything. I don't think they they are any like or ever have tried to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they just had this one crazy moment that made them like legendary in so many people's minds. You know? Fuck. They're still going out though. I seen that they put out an album like a couple months ago. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I, I had to turn a lot of shirts inside out. My fucking <laughs> Pantera, uh, beyond, uh, what's that? What's that record? Um, be, not something Beyond Driven. Um, it was basically it was basically like uh, somebody bent over getting like a leather dildo shoved in their ass, but mm. you had to like really like pay attention. Right. And uh, my principal really paid attention that day. I was like, what the fuck? He's like, you either going home or you got to flip that shit. Yeah, it became this whole thing. I remember I, I bought a uh, Marilyn Manson far anti- beyond driven. It was I, I think. right. I, yeah. I bought Antichrist superstar shirt. Oh shit! Walked over to my mom in the food court at the mall. She's like, "No, you're returning it right now." Boom! <laughs> I owned it for like five minutes. That's hilarious. I went to I went to a Manson concert for a birthday party, mm. and I left mortified, <laughs> completely mortified. Really? <laughs> this dude, he was walking around with like these prosthetics and like shitty like. Like 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 shit stains dripping down his back. I was like, yo, all right, y'all can keep this shit. But like, wow. I mean, there 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 were some moments like like the fucking stage setup was wild. Like he had like like stained glass and shit behind him. He's like at the at the the pedestal or whatever. And like, I'm like, this shit is crazy. I wonder but, if he's still doing like fecal matter stuff on stage, or is that yeah. over? I feel like he might have had to just like simplify his act. At he some probably point. has a fucking a, a fucking side bag at this point, no? I don't know. One, one of those what, gastro bags. You would just assume he would have a colostomy <laughs> bag. I'm saying, bro. That dude. I've heard some stories about that motherfucker. Like, I learned a lot of words from him as a kid. I feel like smart, I might have learned the. Smart. I might have learned the word colostomy bag from him. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Or like tourniquet. Tourniquet. He had a song I, called tourniquet. And I remember, I, remember I like looked it up because of that song. Yo, funny story about tourniquet, right? Yo, so we're watching. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and, and I think it was when uh, Matt Penfield was hosting like 120 minutes back in the day. I was thinking about that the other and, day. And yeah. um, Matt Penfield is a fucking walking inside, like dictionary when it comes to music, bro. Like, right. So I'm watching, uh, we're watching this tourniquet video. We stay up mad late to watch 120 minutes. And my boy Andy's watching. He's like, yo, you wouldn't hit that? I'm like, bruh, like, <laughs> like what the, f you know that's, <laughs> come on, man. Like, and he's like, what? I'm like, nothing, nothing. Wow. Two days later, he's like, why the fuck you ain't telling me, man? Like, <laughs> hey, you into what you what into, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you into what you into, bro. Wow, that's amazing. You know I mean? like, so so would you describe it as just overall like tough growing up biracial yeah, in a oh, small absolutely. town at that time? Like just from both sides, just you just had like a lack of understanding from Drawn and quartered, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, one of the probably one of the first kids to be tatted in my school, like had my septum pierced, all these pierces and shit. And so like, you know, black kids are like, oh, Travis trying to be white, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, so it was just literally like, and then I was just like, at, at I think it was probably around tenth grade where I was like, I don't give a fuck no more, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's around around the time we started gym class, and um, get a year or so later you start getting praised for being different. You know, and, mm. and, and, and that's like, oh, that's crazy because I used to clown the fuck out of me and Matt like, you know, a year and a half ago. Because like, you guys were getting some level of popularity well, or because like, the like culture locally, was just sort of changing? No, in, the culture was definitely not changing. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, they were still douchebags. Because all, that, yeah, I mean, that does sound crazy now because when you think about like, Oh, like the the cool, tall black kid with tattoos and, and weird hair, and he dresses different. I mean, now it feels like that's like a recipe that's right. for people to be looking at you like you're a fucking star. Or Absolutely, some shit, and and, that, and it's it's funny that you say that because like it's like if kids knew like what I had to go through to like dye my hair purple or green or some shit. Like if I was to do that shit back then, like. Right clown fest you know what i'm saying but like mm. i mean it gave me tough skin but also like you know what i'm saying like like i don't know like also made me like kind of like want to push it more you know what mm. i'm saying like when we started like getting like when when the when the, when the fucking kikis kind of stopped it was like i'm just gonna do whatever you know what i'm saying like where do you think that me. like confidence came from to take the shit that people were making fun of you for and just lean into it and just be like, fuck it, I do not care. Like, I believe in what we're doing. This is who I am. I think it's literally just not giving a fuck, you know what I'm saying? And and, and taking the negatives and making them positive, you know what I mean? Like, because, I mean, there, there there's times in high school I just go home and be like, fuck, man. Like, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. Like, I don't want to deal with this shit, you know what I'm saying? When you're but a like, teenager, you just want to be normal. Exactly. You just want to be left just the fuck alone. Left the fuck alone, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 not trying to fit in with nobody. Like, just being me. Like, and, and I had a, my best friend in, in high school was a girl named Amy, and we shared a locker, and like, we used to go all out decorating our locker. We had a boom box, so everybody like would crowd around our locker and shit um, before class, and um, so like, we kind of we kind of had like this niche clique of like five or six kids that like you know we all sat together at lunch and shit. But um, yeah, it was just like that whole it's it's like that Americana like small city jocks versus whoever's different type shit. You know it's I mean? definitely still happening under probably like different terms, but it's still yeah, yeah. you know the kids will always find something to pick something, on each other yeah, for. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I can't remember who said it, but it's like. If you know, if we were all one fucking color, 
it'd be like, oh, look at this motherfucker's ear. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You you gotta find something to fuck with somebody about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look it at means LA. to make yourself like, feel better. You LA know? is just like full of dudes who look like each other and they're beefing with each Girls other too. over where they live at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Ridiculous. oh, you live on that street and I live on this street, and for some reason we hate each other. The same shit. We gotta same kill each shit. other. Except that, yeah, we we weren't really killing each other. Right, <laughs> but you know, I'm just saying, like, people will always like. There are some times I was I was about to go to school with a, with a bat or something and, and probably do some damage, but like. Nothing crazy. That's like the ultimate like question of humanity is how do you like convince people that you're just people and yeah, that you yeah. don't have a reason to like feel aggression towards other people and like that. I think know? I think if like if if you had that sense of like like home back then like it probably freak a lot of people out and make them angrier. You yeah, know what oh, yeah. they wouldn't <laughs> like, understand where the fuck you were coming from for sure. You had really. to go to war at that time. You Absolutely, know? you like define Absolutely. yourself by who you have beef with. Yeah, it's like I mean, high school. I mean, and a, a lot of those kids that like they peaked in high school. I love saying that. Like, oh yeah, it's like the best. They peaked in high school, and like I remember, like when we first started touring heavy, like going back home and seeing motherfuckers just miserable. Like, Damn, they're never gonna leave here. You know I would say that's probably almost like ninety percent of people. Yeah, you, it's, it's, like high school is kind of like the epicenter of mm-hmm. your of your social life. And and a part of you wants to be a part of that, but like once you realize like there's life after high school, shout out to Daryl Hall for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like like it's like fuck, soon four years of this shit, I'm out. You know what right. I'm saying? Like I'm ghost. Like had no intentions of staying around that town at all. But when I go back home, it's all love. It's like it. Like, I drive back by my old school and shit, I'm like, damn, it's like a, a bittersweet feeling, you know what I mean? Like, like I remember when there was the 10-year anniversary, and, like, I my whole life I had thought, you know, oh, it's going to be great, I'm going to go to the 10-year anniversary. And then when it actually came around, I'm like, I'm going to fly back to the <laughs> other side of the country to hang out with a bunch of fucking bum-ass losers that are going to look at me all crazy because I'm, you know, actually doing something with my life. Like, wh- like why would I want to go stunt on those people? I don't even remember damn near any of Like, I've just had this experience too many times where I would go back home, go to the mall. Some dude's like, whoa, we were in high school together. And I'm like, <laughs> I met so many goddamn yeah. people since high school. You have no idea Bruh. how long ago I forgot who you were. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, you know. like, I try to. I, I'm such a people pleaser, man. Like I, I bump into people at shows. You know, like, oh yeah, bro, we, you know, you remember me with high school? I'm like, like, <laughs> I, I, in the beginning, I was like, yeah, 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 and you go along and like. Hopefully they'll say their name in the sentence, so you can be like, "Yo, all right." It's, and so you can say their name as you're leaving and make them feel like you remember mm. them. But I gave up. I gave up. If I don't remember you, I just don't remember you. you know? I'll be honest yeah. too. Like, I, really I love people who preface it though, who are like, "I met you this time at that." Yeah, yeah, they yeah. give you the, the parameters so yeah, you could kind of locate in your brain exactly. and be like, "You know what? That does, I did meet people that day." Instead okay. of sitting there for like 20 minutes, going like, "Damn, wait." What, where, where again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> part of me wishes I had been taking like meticulous notes about everything I've been doing my entire life. And if I knew when I was like 18 that I would just forget everything that <laughs> happened in my entire life, I probably would have done that. It would have been a good bet, man. Like, you know? I used to keep journals and shit, but I only get like four or five pages in. Always. Shit got yes. out. And you know what? One thing about journals, like, and I'm about to get real deep on you real quick, Adam. Like, Let's do it. It's like. <laughs> Nobody's watching you writing your journal. You can literally write anything you fucking want and go back 20 years later and you're like, damn, I scaled a fucking 20 foot wall when I was 14 and saved a chick that was trying to commit suicide or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, you can literally write, literally write your own fucking, your whole backstory. Right. And 
Not that everyone would believe you, but I don't know where the fuck I'm going with that one. But I mean, <laughs> what, what you could look through, and it sucks, like we were talking about MySpace earlier, is that like none of us seem to know how to look through our MySpaces. But like, you know, for like the past like 11, 12 years or whatever, I could go look through my tweets. But somehow that doesn't feel as cool because that's like what I wanted other people to see me saying yeah, as opposed yeah, to like a thing. journal like, is like what you are just writing down for your for own for your own yeah yeah and nobody's like, supposed to see it for sure for sure like so you so it is like a myspace was kind of like you had i mean there's no difference in like instagram either you know everybody's trying to flex so like i i used to flex in my like away messages and shit on aim oh, like, yeah. i was like like really deep song lyrics and shit like mm. <laughs> have everybody What's, he, what, what's on his mind? What's he going through? Shit. Chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Playing NFL Street. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Having an away message alone in itself was a flex because that showed that you had good internet that you could leave it or signed in all day. Or a oh, or a sidekick. Sidekick was the shit. I remember uh, Johnny Cupcakes was the first person oh, I man. yeah he's man, the first person I ever saw with a sidekick when he was on tour with On Broken Wings which was the oh, band man. that he was in back he, in the he day did, uh, he was doing all the sampling and shit right? and, like, and even at that time he told me that he was selling ten thousand dollars worth of shit a day yo killing Bl- him, him blew and his my fucking mind I'm like what the fuck are you talking about we've been down with Johnny for ages every time we played in Boston he'd come with bags like mm. shit like you you look up gym class heroes like two thousand. Four, five, six, with cupcakes and crossbones all every, all day, every day. Because like, back back in the day, it shows it used to be like the person who was the best mosher <laughs> would be like Johnny would be like giving them clothes and stuff. Yeah. Little incentive to whoop somebody's ass. Yeah, <laughs> and so you'd see all the dudes who were moshing real hard, and they'd have a fucking Johnny Cupcake shirt on. And shit oh, yeah. blew up, and now they're no longer on Melrose, but they did have a. There's a pokey stop still. That shot of he the had store. Dope. He had, he had the, I think he said he had the, the dudes from uh, Disney come and put the piping in with mm. the, the frosting coming out the pipes and shit in the ovens that would I do, yeah. I never saw it in real life, but yeah. Oh, man, it was crazy. It was I, crazy. He was the first person I ever met in my life where I was like, oh, damn, you're like doing something with yourself. Like, you're really making money and shit. You're like building a brand. Like, that had never really occurred to me until I saw him doing it. And I had never, I, I mean, I, I had just heard the term brand building like mm. and he was like the icon you know what i'm saying like it was super it started off super grassroots and organic and then just i mean put fucking tons of work in you know what mm. i'm saying like i remember like he was shooting pictures of him and his mom packing and shipping shit off like this is my day bro and like and but i so soft-spoken so sweet like mm-hmm. man yeah like like i could chill with that dude all day every day and in boston that shit is still like i remember oh, I, was, I was in boston on a trip and just seeing so many goddamn people wearing it it's almost it's like a red Sox logo where it's oh, like for sure they think for of sure. that as like very much something boston. they're proud of that that came from boston mm-hmm. boston don't, don't got that much of that damn like i couldn't put it better like um we actually uh right before before the pandemic and all that shit started we did a a tour with 311 and the offspring um and I'll, I think we did. He had like a one-off in Boston, and we did a a collab with with Johnny. And those shirts, fucking. Damn. I think the first one was like, I think we did pink, uh, like baby blue and pink, mm. and then we did the the Boston colors, the red and the navy blue, and them shits blue, nice. like cupcakes. So the band starts taking off. 
while you're still in high school, are you just like going and playing like local metal shows or what? And, and what, what was the mission statement when you started the band? Um, one was just like, I don't think there was a mission statement. Like we, we literally, well, how, how it went down was I was playing drums in a punk band at the time called the, the Antisocial. And uh, Matt, drummer of gym class, and the original guitarist, Milo, they were in a, a band called Hey Little, pardon me, Hey, they were called Hey Little Buddy, mm-hmm. and uh, we both played my homegirl Marta's um, graduation party, and they didn't have, they were just playing instrumental, they didn't have a singer, so after our set, like, fuck it, I went up and grabbed the mic and started, like, just spitting, and we're like, this is kind of dope, you know what I mean? And I think, I think we might have did, like, a, oh, yeah, we, they played an instrumental, and I rapped, uh, J.R.U. the Damages Can't Stop the Profit over it, like, <laughs> and this shit was so fly, and we were like... Yo, after the, after the party and shit, we're like, yo, let's let's get up like in a week or so and, and try to like see, see what happens. And so we went we went down to Milo's basement like a week and a half, two weeks later, and just started fucking around. And then like Matt Matt's parents basically gave us their second living room as a rehearsal space. So we just were fucking around trying to like write original shit. And but everything was just all the songs were so structurally different like i mean i didn't know how to count bars back then i was just until it felt right you know writing until it felt right you know what i mean and um so there were there weren't hard, no venues in in my hometown there was one called smith opera house where they'd have like plays and shit which we ended up playing like years later but um there was a pavilion geneva's like right at the tip of seneca lake uh and at the bottom is watkins glen where they have the fucking nascar races and shit so um, all wine country in between. So there's a, a gazebo at the lake, and we went down to the rec department and talked to like the chamber of commerce, like, "Yo, we want to play a show here," you know, like. So we went through the, the all the all the fucking loops and, and rings of fire, and they they were like, "Fuck it, yeah, you guys can play a show down here." Um, and we, I mean, everybody, like all the kids that knew about us from school, like kids were coming from like surrounding. So we had fucking is this tiny ass gazebo on the lake and tons of kids. And uh, the lady that, that gave us permission came down and saw it, and she's like, you guys can play down here whenever. So that became like a, a, a thing during the summer. We'd have a few shows on the gazebo. And then a, a spot called Jelly Beans opened. It was like a restaurant slash bar, but they had a, like these big ass windows in the front, and they set the bands up in the front. So the kids that weren't old enough to go in because they served alcohol, they'd just stand outside and get a free show, you know what I'm saying? We played there. A, a gazillion times such and, a walk down memory lane of like what it was like at that time period on the east coast right. of like you know you'd just be playing in the in some random restaurant mm-hmm. or like fucking you know coffee shop just, bro, yeah. like, <laughs> like just so wherever, like 40 kids you wherever know? you could play yeah man, wherever you could play and then you know like so then you know we 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 graduate and we all go off to college i went to art school in utica matt was in oneonta um, Milo, I can't remember where Milo went, and our bass player was in Fredonia, this all upstate. So that gave us like, now we're all spread out across New York. So that gave us like the college, like started us with the college circuit. So we'd play my school, Matt's mm. school, Ryan's school, and then word got out. So we started getting booked to play college festivals and shit. So like we just started destroying like that whole circuit and colleges pay so much fucking money and that money doesn't roll over into next semester so they gotta like right. they gotta get rid of it you know what I mean so we made a we made a, a grip just touring colleges and shit so but, you're seeing like the future right there like oh, oh shit this is an actual business this is actually a and, lot of people don't even 
get that like with their band like it takes years and years and years before they for actually session. start to see like significant amount of money oh, coming in sure. i mean it definitely took some years for us right. you know? and i mean like to, but being a broke-ass college student, anything. I mean, right. we played shows where we got paid in fucking Mad Dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we, played, we played an abandoned church in Virginia somewhere, and the dude that promoted the show uh, worked at the, the stocking uh, or the, the fucking warehouse for Mad Dog, and he gave us, like, four fucking huge-ass boxes of Mad Dog 2020. Wow. And it was when the Bling Bling first came out with the chain on it, and it said Bling Bling. It was right. blue. So, like... We're traveling, traveling around in a van, mind you, no trailer, just us in a van with all our equipment like this, boxes of Mad Dog. I'm like, yo, throw me a, throw me a bling bling, son. <laughs> like drinking Mad Dog like it was Kool-Aid, like right. ridiculous. Wow. So did it occur to you like that, you know, who, who are you guys looking at too for inspiration? Did it occur to you that like what you were doing was like very out of the, the ordinary at that time in terms of just sort of mixing rock music and rap and all this different influences because you guys would go on to like be really at the forefront of all that i think i, don't, I mean i don't think we we set out to reinvent the wheel as far as like genre blending or anything i, I just think that we were we were kind of all like you know four different dudes from four different walks of life mm. that happened to be from the same town you know what i'm saying and we all grew up on all types of different music and that shit just found its way into what we did you know what i mean but I mean, we, we we were kind of privy to that, um, and the way that happened was because we would play with fucking metal bands, you know what I mean? Like like feminist slam poets, <laughs> <laughs> fucking whoever would let us on a bill, we play with, and, wow. and so we got really good at like taking crowds that were just like and making them have fun, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I cut my teeth a lot, you know, like like heavy, like just being in front of people who weren't necessarily there to see what we had to offer, you know what I mean? But as far as the music, like, um, I mean, the influences are all over the place. So um, it'd be kind of almost impossible to like set out and say, you know what, we're gonna do this. So, mm. you know, once we were aware that like, we kind of were doing something different, we were just like, no ceilings, man. Like, let's just fucking keep doing what's always worked for us and that's just like sitting in a room until you know we're satisfied with what we made because you, know? you guys were like real like not childhood but like you know high school friends and oh, like, absolutely. Do, you, do you think that absolutely. was like just a huge part of like what the the energy powering the band came from I think it it was definitely we were a fucking family unit, you know what I'm saying? Because it's different like, once you're like all in your your late twenties, your thirties, and you're like picking some guy who's already been in another band, and you're like sort of assembling the band like that. Like you guys were really just like out of your adolescence together. It's absolutely. like very unique, you know. It's, it, and it, it, I think it. I don't want to say. It, it kind of prepared us for what was to come. You know what I'm saying? Like um, we. Uh, unfortunately, lost our, our original bass guitar, our, our bass player, like early on in the game, and okay. actually lost our original uh, guitarist before like we put out our first video and shit. Like, okay, because um, like one, uh, no disrespect, I, I love Ron to death, but like he had like some like serious serious anger issues. So like mm. when you're with fucking three other dudes or four, yeah, three or four other dudes, and it's stuck in a fucking van. And it was just a dark cloud flowing over them. At some point, somebody's going to break. And, like, me and him got into it a few times and decided to part ways and shit. But, um, right. Yeah. I was, I was looking at on Wikipedia that they have, like, the, the graph of, like, how long each member's been in the band. Mm -hmm. 
I like looking at those. They do those. Yeah, yeah. Like, great visualizer thing. You or know? sometimes, those, sometimes those fucking lists go down. Bro. I know because it'd be like twenty <laughs> people in the band over the years, and there's just tiny little blips. Yeah. For real, it's it's od. Like kind of nice to look at. <laughs> just to like understand it by looking at colors. Heard <laughs> up. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so you're doing all those like college shows and shit. Then like, what what's like the next step after that? So um, we got in we. We uh, we had like an EP called Greasy Kid Stuff that we recorded for like 150 bucks. So we were like slinging those, and uh, I would do all our, our merch designs back in the day, um, just black and white prints because we didn't have any money. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, but then like we were like, damn, we gotta, we need some some more some more music to put out. You know what I mean? This is back in the days like MP3.com. Like mm. um, there's another one that I can't remember the name of. Pure Volume, like Pure, Pure Volume was popping back then. So like any you know, like, which was like the SoundCloud of today, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, like, any any uh, platform that, you know, we could use to upload music, we took advantage of, but, like, damn, we only have this one EP, so we're like, fuck it, we need to fucking get our shit together. We released uh, another EP, and then we started working on our first full length, which was the Paper Cut Chronicles, and um, I think we went at it for about a week and a half, and... After that record was done, it was like, what the fuck? Like, I think we got something kind of fresh here. You know what I mean? And and that's when, and it's, this is still in the days where you, you like ship you ship demos out to every record label. You know what right. I mean? Like, and now so the record labels hunt you down. Exactly. Oh, when you get you. like 4,000 followers, they, they start yeah. banging on your door. For real. <laughs> Thing, th- things have changed a lot, yeah. to say the least. But, um, yeah, so we went through that that whole thing. But once we, we once we had the record done, you know, um we uh what am I talking about? Oh yeah, so Paper Cut, Paper Cut Chronicles, first record. So we started getting a little traction, you know, from these sites, like, you know, a lot of really dope feedback and you know, people started emailing us back and mm. oh shit, like nobody was fucked like where the fuck is this coming from? You know what I'm saying? The internet's cool. Like right. this shit might work. Like and um one day we got a we got and mind you we had set up a we had started setting up tours by now you know I mean like not like crazy tours but like you know six or seven dates like northeast you know what i mean like right. or down like to virginia whatever and um i think matt got a he got a email from this kid named nick schmecka from chicago and he was like yo i heard this song taxi driver and taxi driver's a song on uh our first record where like it's a story, but it's just using all like hardcore and emo uh, band names, like right. pop punk band names, like kind of like you know, remember how Jizza did um, labels, right? I, rem- I remember those. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically it's basically like like the fucking the 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 emo version of labels. You know what I'm saying? Nice. And um, we sh- we shot a video in Geneva. If you, if you can look it up when you get a chance, you're gonna die. We paid 250 bucks for it. It's fucking hilarious. I think um, that, that that right in and of itself sort of like sums up why you guys blew the fuck up so much is that you just weren't scared to do something like that that was like maybe a little corny. Oh, bro. It was and like just, but you corny. guys were just like down for it and yeah. like the people just couldn't resist. Bro, it, it, shout out to man. Rest in peace to my man Bob. He actually, I, I had to fucking like beg him to dress up as a girl to be my girlfriend in the video. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and Bob was like pushing like. 375, you know what I'm saying? He had a wig. I'm not, you, gotta, you gotta go see the video. Right. But uh, we mentioned Fallout Boy in the song, and I think that's why Nick reached out, because Nick, come to find out, we didn't know, was like, 
he was doing merch for, for, for Fall Out Boy, but he was friends with all those dudes. And um, so Nick plays the shit. He plays Taxi Driver for Pete. He's like, oh, shit. Like, he's like, oh, these dudes are shouting you out, whatever. And Taxi Driver kind of becomes this online thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't say viral necessarily, but, like, you know, like, all the, the blogs are like, absolute punk and all this shit were picking up on it because... All, of all the name references and shit. Right. And um, so Nick did a few de- uh, designs for us. And then um, we went, uh, Pete invited us to, to go see them in Buffalo. And we went out to see them play. And, I, and I'll never forget, it was the day that uh, Ray Charles had passed away. And Patrick was in the, Patrick was in the, the fucking dressing room crying his eyes out. Like, he's just, bro, like, I, I, from that day, I knew he was a real one. Like, you know wow. what I mean? Like, it, it, like, hit him that hard. He was just like, bro, like, I'll see you at the show. You know, like, I'm just, like, going through it. I'm like, hey, do your thing. And, like, but um, I remember the first thing Pete ever said to me when he walked up to me, he's like, he, like, grabbed my arm. He's like, oh, bro, you got tats? I'm like, yeah, man, black people get tattoos, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the fuck? He's like, you got tats, bro? I'm like, a couple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, dude, like, oh, I love the shit, blah, blah. Um, so we, you know, we kept in touch via sidekick <laughs> for a little bit. Right. And uh, we decided, and we had never, like, fucked with samples or anything. And my roommate at the time was my roommate from college. And he's a producer, DJ, just a fucking beast. Probably one of the dopest tattoo, or tattoo artists in upstate right now, too. Um, my man, Side One. And... We had never fucked with sampling, but I'd always wanted to sample Super Trans Breakfast, Breakfast in America. But uh-huh. the part I wanted to sample was, uh, don't you look at my girlfriend. She's the only one. I-. So he fucked up and used the, take a look at my, a lot of people don't know that mm. little Easter egg. But he so used the song the, could have been completely different. Completely different. And uh, he used the, take a look at my girlfriend, which fucking worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we recorded the whole shit in like, maybe like an hour and 20 minutes and I think it was either the day before or the day of Pete hits me he's like yo uh, you guys want to play a show with us I'm like duh like you know what I'm saying like of course he's like uh, here's the thing I'm like oh shit he's like it's in Davenport Iowa I'm like motherfucker we're in Buffalo you know right. what I'm saying like New York like and he's like oh yeah and it's in two days I'm like so literally, like, we like, we did a desk mix of Cubist Chokehold and fucking hopped in the van and darted to fucking Davenport, Iowa. You know what I mean? And we were on the bill. It was uh, it was us, Bayside, Armor for Sleep, some other band, and Fall Out Boy. And they put us on first. And at first, kids were literally jaw dropped, like, like, like on some Napoleon Dynamite shit. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm just like, all right, fuck it. Like, and but we didn't, we didn't let up. We just did what we do, what we do. You know what I'm saying? And and by the end, like everybody was just like bugging out. And uh, after Fall Boy played, Pete came. He's like, yo, you guys crush, blah blah. He's like, um, uh, I got Bob from Crush, my manager on the phone. He wants to talk, blah blah. Set up a meeting, blah blah. So we go down to New York after the show. I mean, crush that show too. That's still one of my favorite shows to this day. Cause like, just the fucking tension of fucking jumping out of the studio, darting to Davenport, crushing the show, 
and then basically practically getting signed after that. So we met with Crush, signed with Crush. Um, they were on Fuel by Ramen at the time, and Pete had just got uh, his own imprint, which was Decadence. So Pete got us uh, our deal um, with Fuel by Ramen and Decadence. And, wow. And then, fucking <laughs> unbeknownst to us, Cupid starts bubbling, you know what I mean? Like, And there was a, a radio station in Milwaukee that was like playing it heavy, heavy. And I think radio stations started like, you know, they all, they go through each other's fucking playlists and see who's getting most played. And for some reason, like Chicago area, Milwaukee, that, that whole area was just heavy on Cupid's. And it was literally like, that was when shit got super crazy, like super duper crazy. So like in between you signing with, with Pete and, uh, and that happening though, like, was that like immediately after mm. or was like, oh. it was a build. It was a okay. build. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, but we definitely, after that fall boy show, um, we got a lot more shows. You know what I mean? Was like, that show like insanely epic from your perspective? Like it was, it was absolutely it was, worth driving there. Cause I feel like nobody would do that now because a show is kind of like devalued. But back in mm -hmm. that era, a fucking concert was like everything. Well, our thing was just like, we loved making whoever was playing after us look bad. Like that was, that was like what <laughs> we fed off of. You know what I'm saying? Like, we fed off that so shit. So they have to move you up the bill, yeah. For real. Like you know what I mean? So and and well, so not not too not too uh, far after that show, we got a uh, Nick Stewart started bo uh, booking us, and so more shows started coming in. Um, but a lot of shows in you know the early days of gym class were with a lot of bands in that scene, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, then we played our first Warp Tour and a lot of kids had already heard of us. So like, we'd be, we, they put us in the, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but, or if you went to a lot of Warp Tour. Warped Tours I, I went to Warp Tour once in 1998. Oh, no shit. So. I think Deftones was on it in 98, right? Black Eyed Peas were on it. Oh, pre Fergie. Shit. I do remember that. And I, Eminem was and on they it. They killed it. Yeah, that and, was, that was uh, the one in Buffalo. And, and it was like Eminem, but like he'd only been out for like six months. Somebody knew what the fuck he was. He was like brand new. Yeah. People were throwing shit at him. And he's like wobbling all over the fucking stage. I wish I had gone to more because Warp Tour is like, I mean, oh, man, such brother. a pivotal part of the culture. I think we, we did. So our the first our first warp tour experience was in a minivan with all like, all of our equipment. Not a van, van, a minivan, you know right. what I mean? And we sleep in the motherfucker too. Mm. And uh they put us they had a, a hip hop tent. So they like had all the hip hop in this one tent called the Code of the Cuts. And yeah. I mean everybody's played the atmosphere, uh fucking nonfiction, like anybody you could think that was dope and underground, like late nineties, the early two thousands, like they were playing in the Code of the Cuts tent. But it was this little ass tiny tent. And we would pack that motherfucker every day. And, like, Kevin Lyman started, like, paying attention. Right. And every, like, so we, shit, every year we get bumped up to, a, like, a bigger stage. And then we eventually started headlining the motherfucker. But I think we, all in all, we probably did at least seven or eight, seven, seven eight war tours. Like, right. It was intense. Like, intense. And the first, I'd say the first four or five, we were lugging in all our shit every morning you know what i'm saying like right. getting dirty and you never know what time you're playing until like an like an hour before the show before they open the doors and, and, and when you think about that period of your life it's like you know you guys must have just been driven by just like pure like obsession and love for this band and this Most music definitely. because it's like Most nothing definitely. like you know people just don't really well i don't know i shouldn't say people don't do that but like mm. i feel like that people don't have that same like 
vision of this being like your hero's journey to just be on the road with mm. your boys for six months and it's just play life. these shows constantly like how, how did you take to it uh like did you just love it and just fall into it Absolutely. you have any growing pains uh, not at all not a, i don't have a single fucking regret man like in and you know while we're still on warp tour tip that shit was like fucking band camp for derelicts you know what i'm saying <laughs> like straight up like like the most insane fucking fat camp you could ever get sent to. <laughs> it's like prison for band dudes, yeah, where like they all, all you like are teaching each other like oh, how absolutely. to be a bad boy. You absolutely, know? And, and how to be a rock star, really. For sure, for sure. Like, and there was a lot of pretentious like rock stars that weren't really rocking shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you learn how not to be as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, but yeah, man. Like we we definitely had. And I mean, I still, I mean, I just turned 40 last month and I feel like I go do another eight war tours and be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you'd, you'd do it again right now. Absolutely. I did actually, they, they, they ended it last year and I did the, the last two shows. Like they did an East coast one and uh, I believe it was Atlantic city. And then they did a uh, one out here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the life. It was crazy. Right. What uh like from the beginning? I feel like you guys must have attracted a ridiculous amount of women as well. Oh yeah, that part. The that music part. wasn't really like aggressive. <laughs> nothing like off-putting for the nah, ladies. Nah, nah, and 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 we 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 definitely uh, embraced uh, the fact that I, mean, I know we 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 all noticed early on there was a lot of girls coming out to shows. You know what I'm saying? And like for me going like being this fat kid that no girls were fucking with to like you right. know what I'm saying? It's like the fuck is going on? You know what I'm saying? But so I mean, I was a, I was a douchebag, complete dirtbag for like a a lot of years. You know what I'm saying? But right, um, who wouldn't be? You know, when what you're I'm saying? being like, having that much of something that's typically a very scarce commodity thrown at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like not a position that almost any guy is in. And it like I could just imagine that the number of girls throwing themselves at you must have been absurd. How the fuck do you like like where did your mind go with it like how did you even make sense of like all this energy coming your way all of a sudden well see i just got engaged like last summer so i don't really remember none of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't watching she turned I don't it off already. none of that shit <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man but it was it was definitely it was definitely different you know what i'm saying like um and and i don't know man like our <laughs> Our, our our old bass player Eric was definitely the fucking like Pino star though for sure like <laughs> I think it was dating that uh what was that chick's name she did the the porn site with all the scene chicks like oh the Bernie Angel or some shit Joanna Angel yeah I think he dated her, I, think, I think he dated her for a minute so I know they were doing some wild shit that's tight but you ain't hear from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. My name is Benita Betrayal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that period of your life was ridiculous. Like, intense, I mean, okay, man. not even like the sexual stuff, but like, how does it feel to just be all of a sudden you're like worshipped? You got all these kids just freaking the fuck out in the state. Like, did you fully let it go to your head, or like how? No, how no. When you look back at it, how 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 much of yourself were you able to, you know, keep, well, or did you fully just drink the Kool Aid and, and how, how was it? Well, one, it was it was hard for me to swallow because I knew this shit wasn't genuine. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like after being, you know what I mean? Like after going through what I went through as a teenager, it's like you don't give a fuck. You know I mean like if mm. I was just some random dude, like so I knew from jump that like the shit was like false as fuck. So I never really bought into it, and I mean my dad would never ever allow me to 
I had my head inflated, so mm. it cut me, chopped me down real quick. So I always kept that in mind as well. So, um, but it, it was, it was, it was different. Right. It was different. You guys partying your asses off oh, on fuck tour? Yeah, had, like stupid, like stupid, stupid. Like, um, I had like I, I don't, I don't know if uh, fuck it, I don't care. I talk about the show. I mean, been blatantly like open about it in my music. Um, we had a song called Pillmatic, like on the Paper Cut Chronicles, the first record, and. This is before like kids were like really really dropping, you know, and, like flies. And this shit. is like the early days where you could be excused for not knowing how dangerous pills yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. And Whereas well, the now thing is, it like, should be really obvious to you. Very obvious, very obvious. And and not that I was glorifying it at all. It was just like, but after I got clean, like it just didn't feel right performing anymore. You know what I'm saying? But there was a, a time where like kids would literally like just throw bags of pills on stage, and my assistant would run out. And and just at the end of the show, like, and we whip out the pill, the pill book, like, all right, all right, all right. And it, it was, it was bad, man. But I mean, we had such a good thing going. I wasn't trying to fucking burn out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, I got way too, way too much more to give. You know? Right. When did you? Uh, and the whole band was all getting fucked up too. So you guys were all sort of feeding off each I think other. I, I, well, I was, I was never like a, like a, I never would get super fucked up with anybody. I was always like. On the back of the bus, you know, alone by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we drink together and shit, but I was the only one that really, really got like really fucked up. You know what I mean? Everybody else drank, smoked weed a little, but I was the one getting silly. You know, like right. like flirting with death. You know. When did you uh, have to get clean? And did you have to get clean like it took a multiple couple, times? It took a couple times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really don't keep track um, anymore because I feel like <laughs> the more I focus on like how long I've been off fucking drugs, like, the more I think about it. It's like, I'd rather not even think about it, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But, um, but I, mean, I have... It, I ha- it's I, a I, constant struggle for a lot of people. Oh, you absolutely. know, it's like, it's absolutely. never... Because Michael K. Williams just died. Yo, and that, that shit fucking I was just listening to an interview with him. Destroyed me. And he's talking about, like, Sweetest getting clean. But it's also, it's just, you know, his battle wasn't over. Like, it was, he was going to be an addict for the rest of his life, and like, he was going to have to Philip take Seymour it day Hoffman, by day. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like... Nobody saw that, you know, like he had been clean for 20 plus years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, damn, I totally fucking spaced But there's a lot of people who are like that, who just, you know, you feel like they've got a hold of their addiction, Mm -hmm. and then one day day. it pops back up, and Mm -hmm. like hopefully they make it through that, and they're able to be sober again, but it's like, you know, you see it happen all the time. The thing is, a lot of people don't realize that like, you know, like when you're going hard, hard, and and you decide to like get your shit straight, and you don't realize that like you can't do the amount of drugs that you were doing before you got clean so a lot of people just dive right in and mm. it's fucking croak city you know what i mean and it, i've lost so many fucking friends i can't I, I don't have enough fingers and toes to fucking count them man it's, yeah it's sad like and that was all pre fake drug era oh yeah for absolutely. the most part you absolutely. know like, i mean even, we, we well we used, to, we used to get real fentanyl like patches like really yeah once again, not glorifying this shit. <laughs> no, but I knew I knew other people do that as well. That right, was, was, yeah. We used to chew on them shits like didn't or they they even made fentanyl lollipops back in the day. What? Yeah, I, yo. I gotta Google that. On God, fentanyl lollipops. Google it right now. Like, and they taste like grape. Like, wow, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, That's insane. So and, and so, with that said, it, it shows you like, why are they making? Lollipop lace fentanyl, or, or, or fentanyl lace lollipops. You most, know what most, like, most lollipops are not consumed by adults. That's what I'm saying. You know? Or like, why are they grape flavored? Right. You know, like why is lean purple? Right. 
black I people know about like, black people like purple oh. Kool-Aid, you know what I'm saying? They they say they getting on to it. They getting on to it. Wow. They got menthol flavor fentanyl now and shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like the cartel's but, getting creative. What the fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that like you have that whole period of your life. Okay. Were you at that time like based on your music, it's kinda hard for me to tell were you more of like a hopeless romantic type band guy or were you like a just purely like slut band guy i was definitely the fucking roman the 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 hopeless romantic okay that's like, what i would get for the like, music so i just wanted yeah, to make yeah, sure yeah definitely like i'm not saying no names but there's definitely <laughs> yeah <you laughs> some had, sluggers in the yeah band. <laughs> you had some you had some some hits over the years yeah <laughs> it's impressive um but yeah, okay. So the band's just going good and everything. Like, would you say that you guys, despite like doing all this drugs and everything, and like you know basically having this? Well, that chaos, was that was that was just me. I don't want right, right, to throw right. anybody else in the bus. But, but like you know, you guys sound like it was kind of chaotic. But for the most part, you guys just holding it together for all those years. Um, I, I mean, I was, mm. I was, I was a, a full full blown function, functioning addict. You know what I'm saying? Like we did the AMAs, and I was fucking like three feet off the ground, you know what I'm saying? I don't remember this shit at all, but we crushed wow. it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I watched the, the playback, I'm like, damn, killed it, thank God, you know what I'm saying? But, like, that's no way to live, you know? Like, mm. hoping that you get through a, through a show, you know, hoping that you perform, or, and hoping that you please the people that paid money to come see you, like, it's the worst, like, so... And I mean, my first tour, like, clean, where it was just like, all right, no smoking on the bus, no nothing, like, it was awkward as fuck, like, really? super awkward, but... Um, but then I just found myself getting high off the, off the performance, you know what I'm saying? Like getting off stage and being like super adrenalized and like ready to do what, what the fuck ever. But then the, the, the reciprocal, the, the flip side of that is that like, now you got all this energy and you're hype. Now what the fuck do you do? Right. You know what I'm saying? But like, how, so, how was that? Like, you know, getting to bed after performing when you, uh, you know, are just trying to like stay mellow, you know, like drugs are all about like altering your state of mind. And so we literally like. We we have band nights and watch movies and shit. Like we didn't turn into the fucking we didn't turn to four H camp or anything. But like you know I mean, like people were still getting down doing the thing. I wasn't like, all right, everybody has to fucking be clean because I'm I'm going through some shit. But um, you know, like they respected the fact that I was trying to you know like straighten out. And uh, the crazy part is like some of them didn't even know I was it was as bad as it was. You know what I mean? Mm. But um, yeah, like we 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 actually me I, th I feel like it brought us a lot closer because we do like. Before that, we hit a city and like they like two two guys have shit planned for the day like when we didn't have shit to do and we started doing more shit together. You know what I mean? Like mm. dumb shit like tubing in a, in a fucking Texas down the Guadalupe. You know what I mean? Like shit we would never do together any other time. Yeah, because I mean that's the whole that's the the sort of unfortunate part about touring is that you get to go everywhere but you don't, but you don't do get shit. to do shit you <laughs> said that i remember it. you sit backstage at the show and like mm -hmm. you get to have this amazing experience of performing your songs for the audience but that's kind of on to the next kind of the same mm -hmm. every night and like you know it's like living in a fucking fishbowl bro like a moving fishbowl yeah you know what I'm saying? like you're just seeing all this shit and you stop and see but I've, i made it i've made a vow to like you know when when i start touring again um to actually take some time and fucking mm. I've been around the fucking world eight, nine times and couldn't tell you shit about a lot of the cities that I've that I've been to, you know really? what I mean? And that is that a regret? That's probably my main regret is, is not fucking like taking time to just walk around and, mm. and our drummer, he was he was on it from day one when we started like touring heavy, he was just like 
we've been, you know, God has asked us some trouble in Mexico, but right. that's a long story. No, yeah. I, did, I think I wrote that down. Prison in Mexico or something? So, <laughs> we're, play, yeah, right. we're, playing this, we're playing this show in, uh, for MTV in Mexico. You know, they have the, the, the spring break shit. Right. And so we get there a couple of days early, and the first night, we I go out we go out with we go out in Stevo's at this place and I'm like oh shit it's gonna be a bad one bro like and I got shit faced and me and Matt usually we're like the, like we stay together no matter like you know what I mean like on tour if we're out together whatever and Matt disappears I'm like fuck I'm like whatever like me and Steve are getting retarded and so I get and me and Matt were sharing a room I get back to the hotel and I see the, like the windows are slid open and the curtains are like flowing and I see his slippers in front of the window and I'm like yo my whole shit just like fell through, like my heart just bleh. I'm like and I like literally stood there for like five minutes I'm like I gotta go to this window I gotta go, I gotta go see God. I don't wanna see him like splatted on the floor I mean, so I'm walking towards the window I'm like God please don't please 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 and I look out the window nothing what the fuck alright cool cool at least he's not dead you know what I'm saying like so I'm waiting for him. I finally fall asleep. The next morning, I find out <laughs> this motherfucker got so wasted. He went, he like found some sliding doors and slid them open, went into somebody's place and like fell asleep on the couch. And he wakes up and he's surrounded by cops with machine guns. Policia, policia, policia. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, so they snatch him up. They take him to jail. They, the, the owner of the house said they, that he stole like, a $15,000 statue or some shit from the house. I'm like, where the fuck's it at then? Like, like you picked them up in the house. So, like, super sus. And so, I, like, we have to play a show that day. And so I, I went, we finally found the jail they had him in. It was, like, dirt floors. He's in the corner like this, mad dirty, looking like shaggy and shit. And they, had, they had actually, like, the, the dudes that were in jail with him, like, in the cell with him were calling him, oh, shaggy, shaggy, shaggy. <laughs> and, like... And I'm looking at these motherfuckers, like, you touch them, I'll get through these, I'll, I'll find a way through these fucking bars and hurt you, I'm telling you. So I'm like, Matt, don't worry, we, we'll get you out, we good. Right. But it didn't happen like that. So <laughs> the jail's like, we're going to need this amount of money, X amount of money, or we're going to put them in another place down here. And then basically that's what they do. They'll arrest you and they put, keep putting you deeper and deeper into Mexico until like you give up that dough. So wow. we had to pay a lot of motherfucking money. How much? Five figures? Mm. Wow, bro! Yeah, it was it, it was serious. That's impressive. Serious. I'm I'm impressed that the that the you know Mexican government knows that they could extort you for oh, that much. That they like pay, they could tell that you were that you guys had something they were so, working with. Yeah. I mean, so Matt obviously didn't, he didn't make the show because we were trying to figure this shit out. You right. know what I'm saying? But thankfully, we're there. We were down there with the academy is, and we have toured we toured with them so many times that Butcher from the academy played for us but the stage went out had a catwalk out into a pool and the pool's full of people so the catwalk's full of water so I go out there and I'm trying to fucking make sure he's you know what I mean like playing the right songs and shit and I'm slipping and sliding and then I'm in the back of my mind I'm like my man's in this nasty ass jail in Mexico like it was wild. It was wild. Uh, no wow. more. No more parties in Mexico, bro. Yeah, like go to Mexico, but don't break the law. That would be my advice <laughs> to pretty real. much anybody. Because I, I mean, I like, I listened to this story from this dude talking about going to prison in Mexico for a couple months, and mm -hmm. like, he, he said there were kids in the prison that had like been born there and were born just, in the motherfucking prison, and were just 
had lived there their whole life. That's like some Bane shit. I'm like, like that's not fair, bro. That's, <laughs> the kid didn't do anything. For real. What the fuck? Yo, collateral damage. What the? That's sad. God damn. That's some sad. That's shit. that's the craziest tour story. The most extreme oh, thing that no. happened. That's, that's definitely not the craziest. Um, shit. The craziest. Because you guys were like warriors. Oh, for, bro, we've we. How many months stuff. out of a year were you doing on average for a few years there, bro? I think. There were times where I, I think the, one of the longest was when we, we did the I Music tour with Wayne. Um, it was us, Wayne, Payne, and uh, I think um, Keisha Cole did the first half, and um, what's her name, uh, homegirl that did the song with Kanye and and uh, Neo, Knock Me Down. Remember that song? Uh, she did a song with Timberland. You know who I'm talking about. Carrie Hilson. Carrie Hilson. Yeah, mm. she did the other half. And so that, I can't remember exactly how long that tour was, but it did so well. The first round, they did secondary markets. So, like, we were on the road for a long-ass time. I, I mean, but yeah, about six, seven months. But, I mean, our time off when when we were, like, traveling would be, like, Three or four days here and there, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, yeah, it was pretty intense. Like, and and it got so it got to a point where like, I go home and not even unpack my bag. You know what I mean? I just take shit out and like I'm still like that to this day. Like, right. I go to a hotel, I keep all my shit in my, in my in my luggage. You know what I mean? And you grab what I need, put it back in. Did that like that does something to you? Oh, like absolutely. your brain really is just not like everybody else when you've been on the road for that long. It's literally like like I said, it's like living in a bubble. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, honestly, I, I feel like it stunted my development a little bit. You mm. know what I'm saying? Because like like you're just you're being like trotted around the world, being adored every yeah. place you go. It's just like oh, here we're gonna insert you into this fucking hall full of here people that go. are gonna suck your dick for an hour, <laughs> and then you're gonna be swept away. It sounds and, enticing. Yeah. It sounds enticing, but like but it's got to do something yeah, to you. You know? Absolutely. I mean, and and, and um, you know, like hard to hold I've down any kind key. of real relationship. Oh, absolutely. Girls, I mean, I finally they love found the idea of it, but then yeah. once they're in it, they're like, like this is not a life. Yeah. This <laughs> is not a life all, you want to live, all. ladies. Hell no. Definitely, you got you. Yeah, you gotta you, you gotta you gotta be a fucking unicorn yeah. for sure. It's a like, couple weeks here and there, sure, like a month, <laughs> you know, whatever. But like you know, nine months out of the year, like uh, it's just like what woman would want to stay on board for that it, after a it while? It takes right? a strong one, G. It takes a strong one, and it took me a long time to meet her ass. Like actually, I, I, I've known her for a long a long time, but right. Um, I think it took her a long time to understand it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but were you guys like? Did you feel very financially comfortable at that point? Like had the deals that you signed were they good ones? Were you actually seeing the fruits we, of your labor? We had a really fucking great team, mm. like a really great team, you know. And and I have a great a great team now. You know what I mean? Like had to, we, I definitely had to rearrange the roster. You know what I'm saying? And rebuild the team. But mm. um, I like to like to think that. I mean, I've seen. I mean, there's definitely been some shady shit that I've I've seen go down, but like. Um, none of the none of the run of the mill like dirty label shit that you usually hear about. I mean, and I, I feel lucky as fuck that I I've, I've never really had to deal with a lot of label or industry bullshit. You know what I mean? That's good because um, I feel like everybody in your position usually has a story about uh, how they got completely fucked by the label exactly. in the start of their career. You know? I, I, I and I can't say that I really can't. Like they were they were behind us, man. Like and um you know there was a time where like you know 
Fall Out Boy were kind of out of commission, and and um, you know we were all we're all in the same we were all in the same management, and we were kind of like hold, like holding the, holding the fucking torch for a while. You know what I'm saying? And mm. that 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 was a burden in and of itself. But like, cause there's no fucking there's no like manuscript that teaches you how to fucking maneuver through this shit. Like mm. once you're in it, you know. And um, so like like I was saying, like li- living in a bubble. Like once you know I took. I, I think the last single I put out, when I put a single out a couple months ago, the last single was like 2013 uh, or 14. I took some time just like fucking, uh, I was focusing on my painting and, uh, and a lot of other shit. And I want to say mu- music took the back burner, but I was trying to like figure out a lot of shit. And um, I ended, that's what I ended up moving out to the woods, you know what I'm saying? Just to like fucking, this shit is too chaotic. So it, you had basically just like had enough of just the turbulence of being famous as fuck and, and constantly on the road and everything. You just decided and, that you just wanted to take a step back. And, you know, being being too accessible mm-hmm. to management and the label, you know what I'm saying? Like like feeling like they can reach me at any time. I, like I hate when I'm, I'm, I feel like somebody can just reach out. I'm like, hey, you right. know, like, like in... Not, 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 I guess not in a bad sense, like, but, you know, when you're working on music, the last thing you want is, like, label execs coming, like, so what you got, what you got, what you got, you know what I mean? So, like, um, I have a studio at the crib. I work on music out there all the time, but um, I wrapped up my, my, my latest uh, album in, in Nashville. I caught a whole, a whole different battery in my back down there. Shout really? out, yeah, shout out to Jared, who uh, produced the record with me, and, and Matt, who played drums on it. Like, a whole different vibe. Right. Did you guys like just going back to the the breakup? We'll talk mm. more about the new album and stuff. But like, wh- like, did you guys ever specifically say like, okay, we're breaking up, or was it more like it just kept getting more and more it turbulent? Was, it, or you want yeah, it, because you guys have been touring the same songs for so long mm. that I feel like there's just that natural urge of like, I don't give a fuck if I'm playing to an audience that's five percent of the size. I gotta just do something different. I gotta like, I feel like you guys sort of started all these different side projects and sort of went in all these different directions yeah well there, there yeah there's definitely well the side project thing was never like a hindrance like I, I feel like it was like one hand washed the other like if that if any of our side projects caught some traction it, it put more focus on gym class so like that was never right. a thing but you know it was definitely like an escalation and 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 a whole amalgamation of a, a lot of shit that built up in to the point where matt and i were kind of just like Let's let sleeping dogs lie for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, actually, it's funny because we were actually talking about. Uh, I was ta- speaking with my label earlier, and he asked, "Like, you, you ever see Jim Class getting back together?" And I'm like, "We'll see." You know what I'm saying? But right. like, right now, it's just like there's a a lot of a lot of a lot of cannonball holes in the ship. You know? What so I'm saying? Is it personal issues, or is it just the fact that you don't really yeah, want to tour that? Oh no! I mean, I music I can't anymore, w- no? I can't wait. I mean. I mean, shit. We got we we got shit four four or five full lengths, and so we got we got a, a pretty decent catalog. You know what I mean? Right. And on top of my solo shit, so I never get bored, and um, and I can't wait to fucking get back out again, man. Like, but it's definitely gonna take a uh some some uh rebuilding. I think every know? band like, ends up like this though, where there's and I like I never thought we would. I think, I think they all think that that, that day never is never going to come either, you know what I mean? But I mean, when but you, we were, hit the you guys were good year, for so long, Yeah, right? when we hit the 20-year mark, like damn, like I've spent more than half my life in this fucking band, you know what I mean? Like that was for me like like a reality check in and of itself, like damn, like more than half my fucking life, you know? And um 
but honestly, like things had had kind of gotten so toxic towards the end that I, I feel like it was for all like the best of all of our fucking mental health. You know what I mean? Like, right. But yeah, every, I mean, but at the end of the day, like we're all still supportive of each other. You know what I mean? No bad blood for the most part. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the idea that you're going to have people that you were close to 20 years ago when you were a completely different person and then you're just going to hold, I know not all the bands like original members and shit, but like mm. the idea that you were just going to be able to hold that together. I mean, it seems almost like an impossible task or something that's like bound to like be left with some scars at a certain point, you know? Yeah, but you know, you know, one thing I was, I was like cock strong and sure about was the fact that like, you know, although we were, um, kind of accepted into that scene like i was like yo there's and matt and matt and i used to have this conversation all the time like there's gonna come a time where where all this shit just kind of fizzles out you know what i'm saying and like yeah, the fact that everyone. we didn't we didn't we didn't fucking you know like bend over and try to fit into what was popping on warp tour or what was going on in the time like we'll still be standing and like it proved it proved true you know what i'm saying like on a couple on, on a couple different um planes but yeah, man, like, I wouldn't change a motherfucking thing. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, but are you, like, saying no to money, like, that you guys could be getting from going on tours and stuff, obviously? Um, I mean, we, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that, you know, like, we're kind of, like, dissolved at this point. Or, but you still got to get hit up by festivals that want to book you and give you good-ass checks, right? I'm sh- yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what's the fascinating part is that the ego is so strong that it gets in the way. It's like, off the back. <laughs> so sometimes it, sometimes it's, it's, it's a little more than ego. You right. Know well, I mean, hey, I don't know. I have no idea. So, you, you know. <laughs> but it gets complicated. <laughs> Yo. Goodness. Yo, you remind me of one of my friends growing up. It's hilarious. Damn. Hilarious. I'd love to meet him. Hilarious. Um, Hilarious. So wait, you signed to T Pain? So what happened was on the on the on the I Am Music tour, um, Pain had he had a whole studio set up on the bu- on his bus, and him and I just started making records together, like fucking crazy. Cra- I still no one's heard of him, but um, <laughs> no one's heard, a bunch of dope records. No one's heard. But right. actually, actually, we uh we put out the Nappy Boy mixtape, and I got a couple of joints on that. That was a while ago, but um. So we started cranking out records, and I was like, let's just do a record, you know what I'm saying? And, like, we had this grand idea. I never signed anything contractually. It oh, was just okay. kind of like the homie, like, you know what I mean? And he uh, produced a couple of joints on my solo record and gave me a huge-ass nappy boy chain. I still have to this day. And like, wow. Yeah. Shout out to Pain. That's legendary. He's a how big o- sweetheart. How often man. do you talk to him? Um, actually, I just talked to him. Uh, about a week ago, a week ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> about a week ago. But so, um, if you want to put music out now, does he have to be involved with it? Are you signed nah, like that? Nah, or, oh, nah. you said there was no, no, no not, paperwork. Yeah, so, no yeah. paperwork. Okay, that's what's up. Um, yeah. So, like, where do you see? You know, like, how, how do you view where you're at in your career right now? And like, you know, how? Uh, like, I, I was watching the video that you put out. It felt like you were sort of like addressing like a bunch of different traumas that you've had oh, to bro, just live through over the years just 20 just 2020 basically yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like what a motherfucker oh my god yeah i mean it started like the, the the top of january um i lost my my best friend bob like one of my best friends in the whole fucking world man like and uh so and another another crazy thing like my my mom's biological father like he wasn't too hip to her her 
her having a, a, a kid with a black dude, you know what I mean? So, like, he didn't want anything to do with me when I was born, you know what I'm saying? And, like, oh, wow. um, and over the years, like, I mean, even before anything happened with my career or anything, like, he started reaching out to my mom or, like, you know, I want to meet him, blah, blah. Like, he had kind of, like, realized he was being a fucking idiot, you know what I mean? And, and I don't want to call my grandfather an idiot. He just passed. But, you know, he realized that, you know, but, like, he's... he's down like deep deep in georgia jessup georgia like it's i don't even think it's on the map bro like right. dirt roads and shit you know what i mean but and he had just turned 80 and i was like i gotta go i gotta meet this man before you know he leaves us and so i took a, it took a trip down there i flew down to I had to fly to savannah and then take like a fucking 300 uber to get to jessup <laughs> it was ridiculous but um i I, I showed up at the crib and he was standing, standing, literally standing in the doorway and like, it was, it was like I was looking at myself, you know what I mean? Like big ass ears, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like same facial structure. And I'm like, this shit is weird. Like, and I just rolled, and he gave me the biggest hug ever, man. And I met my Nana and like, uh, I stayed there for a week and ended up missing my flight. So I stayed for another week. So I got to hang, I hang with him for like two weeks. We, hung out and fishing and did all that old country shit you feel like that helped you understand yourself and where you come from better absolutely man like for real for sure it helped me understand like how my mom grew up and Mm. and and you know what i mean and um you could just see the reflections in her through him it was it was was insane it was it was it was really insane and um so so i stayed for a good two weeks I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave, man. Like, I mean, I saw some wild shit. Like, my little cousin Jonathan's eating a pickled pork, a pickled pig's foot, like out of the plastic plastic bag. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I ain't never seen no shit like this. But, wow. um, rolling around with a fucking revolver, hanging out the back of his fucking, like in the back of his jeans and shit. Like, where the fuck am I at? But I love it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I love this shit. Um. And then I uh, went back down uh, a few months later, and I came back and uh, oh, I went back. My nan had passed away, and not too not too long after I met both of them for the first time, and then a couple months after she passed away, he passed away, and it was just like back to back to back to back. Like it was nothing but funerals, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, that's that song was a, a tough one to write um, and record, just like. 2020 fucking sucked. Fuck 2020. <laughs> yeah, really? no, definitely during 2020, there's like been a lot of moments where I've had to just think about the fact that like, oh yeah, I'm probably going to outlive the vast majority of people that I'm close with. It's, it's sad to think about, you know? man. It's sad. And like, uh, and like, bro, we came here, I, I, I mean, I forgot it was Labor Day. Like, we, we came in yesterday and LA looked like this fucking post-apocalyptic, like, like, dystopian fucking mad mad because there was nobody out like and everything was gated up and closed i was yeah. like damn it like, was wild like, man it was you had never scary, seen it like that before it was like you life. know i was like bro like uh you sure we should be here <laughs> like, yeah so it's like labor day i'm like all right I'll, I'll take that one i guess that was a pretty fucking unique time we were just Whew. we went out riding bikes and we were just cruising around and there's fucking nobody oh I remember seeing pictures of Times Square. Like, I mean, bro, we were double gloved. Like in the beginning, we were double gloving, fucking double masking, hoodie straw, like strung up. Like, right. fuck, why am I even out here? You know what I'm saying? And like, it kind of got like 
I guess we kind of got lazier. So fuck the gloves, you know what I'm saying? But like, especially in New York, the shit just kept going up and up and yeah. up and up. And like, then you see pictures of the piles of bodies and shit. And oh boy. Yeah, it's it's, it's ain't, ain't nothing that can be, compare you for some shit like that. You know, like. Ugh. Um, uh, it gives me the fucking willies, man. Just thinking about like we're living through some weird fucked up movie, you know? Right. No, yeah, it's been a wild one. I mean, where do you see yourself at in your movie? You know, you've had some like extremely high points in your life at a young age. You made a huge impression on the culture. I mean, like, where do you want? Like, where would you ideally like to see yourself going from here? And how do you see the the rest of your life playing out ideally? Um, kind of like the end of Purple Rain, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, like after he plays Purple Rain, and like he just gives, he gives Apollonia that smile, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I just want to I want to make a bunch of fucking babies, Ooh, and okay. get back on the road, and you know just and have space for them to chill when they want to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't see myself not making music or being artistic in some way. Mm shape or form before I leave this fucker, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you still have that deep desire to get back on the road? Oh, absolutely. That shit doesn't go away. Mm. It's a love-hate, too, you know what I mean? Like, it's like an addiction, kind of, no, would you say? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Like, I mean, if I can, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's like, towards the end of any tour, you're like, I can't wait to get home. You get home mm. the day after, like, man, I can't wait to get the fuck back on the road, man. Like, right. it's, it's, it's definitely like... It only takes a day for you to get back to the state of wanting to be two. back on the road a really? day or two yeah it's, it's 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 different man like like we were talking about earlier it's 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 a it's a lifestyle it's definitely a lifestyle it's funny because i see a lot of like a lot of bands like going on tour and there's like three dates on the poster and i'm like tour like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you're going on vacations don't you? <laughs> yeah funny. i mean you you've definitely been on the road like way longer than i've ever been on the road but there's definitely been times in my life where i was away for like a month mm-hmm. and you come back and you like you know go get some food with your girl and you're just like i have no fucking clue what the <laughs> fuck i'm supposed to say to you because i've just and this is like the primary difference i think is that when you are at home and you're doing roughly the same shit every day, yeah. you st- your brain starts to notice the little differences, you know, oh, like the, sure. the little things. Mm-hmm. When you're on tour, you're, every moment of the day, you're being bombarded by something, <laughs> something new. Something. So it's like, you know, you're not used to having to sort of like work for the something sl- being interesting. The slow down it's time. just automatically, every moment of the mm-hmm. day, you're seeing something crazy you've never seen before. And it makes you... Like somehow your brain gets wired in such a way that people just can't fucking relate to you, mm-hmm. and it takes a little while mm-hmm. for you to like break that down, get back to being. It's so, a, cr- it's so you crazy know? you say that because like I remember early on touring, and I couldn't wait to get home and tell all tell all my friends the stories, and then mm. it comes up to a point where you're just like same shit. Like I want to hear it again. <laughs> you want to hear it again? You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, it, 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 it definitely gets old. But then, like I said, like you get that tap on your back. Like, let's go let's right go. but um yeah man like well in, in the, it's funny because in the beginning like it, w- it was out of necessity because I was, I was homeless for a minute like <laughs> when we first started touring so like i was like i don't want to go home right i can't go home you know what i'm saying like i see how motherfuckers got a couch what do you think is the part that drives you the most at this point is it that you're like at your most profitable when you're on the road or is it the fact that like it's just something about the experience. It's, it's, it's definitely the experience, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, we were we were literally on tour when the Tom Tom came out. 
So, I mean, we were map questing and using atlases and shit mm. before. And the time time came out, motherfuckers were fighting to drop the bitch. The bitch like, <laughs> no, son, it's my turn. Like, fuck you. I'll kill you. You want to fight for it? Like, like fighting to use I could not fucking believe it like, the first time I saw somebody woo! with one of those. I was just Bruh, like, like, so like we're not printing game. out map quest directions Bruh, anymore? It was, it, was, it was like fucking God had just went here. Yeah. Use this tool, my friends. And, bro, like, we, we use the shit out of it. That's something, that's an, an addiction I'm trying to stop is saying bro and bro. Like, yeah, I'm, you gotta have I'm doing bad, bro. I'm doing yeah. bad. I it's think better I, than Xanax. I think I need a fucking, I definitely need a uh, intervention with this bro shit. Mm. <laughs> Way better than Xanax. Yeah. No, you're always <laughs> at battle with, like, your tics. Yeah, yeah. You know, the shit that you say that you don't really think about saying but you say it and it's like absolutely i say absolutely way too much yeah far too much or i'll watch a random interview with myself and i'll just be saying like too much and like. i just want to go back in time <laughs> and kick myself in the fucking teeth well like is almost like the like the pause while you think mm -hmm. word you know what i'm saying like uh or but i would rather speak slowly and never say like yeah i like that and I like, like that i like that idea. take a little extra time mm -hmm. to think of the next word my ideal self would speak like that. Yeah, I got fun. I got I got like this fucking funnel, like, and I just start stuttering because I got so much. You know what I mean like, mm. I've been like that my whole life. Like, everything's just trying to get out at once. I'm like, slow down, down, down. <laughs> yeah, I like that though. I'm, I'm I'm gonna definitely put that in my notes. Definitely. To talk slower. <laughs> are Are you gonna? Uh, you see yourself staying in upstate New York for the time being? Like you like Absolutely. you want to tour, but then Absolutely. you like to be able to come back to something very slow. You, you, you'd never be an LA guy again. I've never lived here. Oh, you never. You know did? What's crazy okay. is a lot of people thought we were from here because uh, when we shot the Cubans video, we shot at MacArthur Park and right. fucking uh, Compton. Like we were all over. And I was just watching so that, and thinking that. I'm like, wow, they got a lot of good LA destinations in here. Yeah, yeah. And so people automatically thought we were from Cali and. Uh, I've never lived out here. I stayed with Pete for I, pardon. I stayed with him for a while, and um, I got my taste. And I was like, my feet don't fit the concrete out here, bro. I'm super fascinated by the fact that you are a part of this big lie that Tiger was related to you. So here's the thing. <laughs> here's the, here's the thing. So like, and I'm I, I don't know. Like I think Gator spoke on it. Like yeah. And, and I mean, the way he framed it is he said that like at that time to the label, it felt like it was going to be so hard for the, the fans to grasp Tyga and how he was going to just That's be, how Tyga felt. Or that the label or, felt, I guess, that like, no. like a, a, a non like gang affiliated, young, light skinned black dude, that they weren't going to be able to really love Tyga unless they had like a good backstory from where I he came that, from. I think that was his excuse. For telling people that he was my cousin, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that ass. Like, I really? Think that was his excuse. For, Tiger like, just wanted to be your cousin. I get like, like, bro, like, it, it, it's so weird because like, I'll see, like, interviews of, or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, Wayne put me on. Wayne put me on. It's like, that hold my pearls. Like, damn, I, I, I thought I thought I put your first record out. I, I, put, I thought I brought you out on your first five tours. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But like, I don't trip on shit like that. Man. People like, like to simplify the narrative over it, time, or, don't or, they? or or completely rewrite it. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds good to say, "Hey, Lil Wayne yeah, yeah. did it all for, for me." For sure. You know, that's sure. like you know, Lil Wayne is royalty in hip hop. So I can <laughs> I can understand the uh, the desire to simplify the narrative. So I guess but. I guess at some point I was I was Lil Wayne cool enough to be Tiger's cousin. <laughs> right. 
Damn. Okay. So that's interesting. Now we have we have more information. It might not have been. I definitely. A, a I mean, I definitely label plot. I looked after him like he was family for sure, and Gator. You know what I mean? Like right. I took I took those boys everywhere with me, and I'm, I couldn't be more proud of Gator, man. Doing right. his thing. How much time do you spend thinking about like your legacy or like how you want to be remembered? Do you give a fuck about how you're remembered in like hip hop specifically? Uh, like how how do you think about that? I you know what I really I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like I like I know like the kids that came up listening to us and still enjoy what I do or or you know what I mean like throw on Papercut Chronicles here and like I know we have like we built our fan base grassroots. You know what I'm saying? Like we put in the work and damn near died doing it, you know what I'm saying, a few mm. times over. So, like, I mean, I got a, I got a box full of, you know, like, when I, when I got my shit together, I got a, like, kids would come up and start giving me, instead of fucking pills, they start giving me their, their 30-day tokens and shit, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so I got a box of shit, but, like, but, I mean, I think, and, and when I go down to my studio, I have, like, I've kept every laminate, every tour I've ever been on, and like the shit weighs like 110 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, really? You're one so of those like guys who kept the lanyards. Every, okay. every single one, and like every time I pick it up, it's just like a reminder of how much work we put in. You know what I'm saying? But um, I mean, I, I I feel like like when when I am dead and gone, like I feel somebody like somebody's gonna pick up a record and be like. When this shit come out again, this shit, this shit is kind of dope. You know what I mean? So if that happens one time mm. while I'm in the ground, like, I'll be stoked. But do you ever feel like you guys just aren't really necessarily given the credit you deserve? Because you kind of came out during this, like, weird black hole era of music where, yeah. like, you know, you would be able to say probably, like, we had, like, number one songs and records and shit like like or were you like charting like that or i feel like yeah, yeah, we, the streams I mean, weren't accounted for in the same way back in the day but different. you still were hard copies down? selling hard copies okay. like like um yeah we've we got we've got a bunch of plaques like i don't i don't talk about this shit a lot but um yeah we, we i mean the last gym class record paper Cut chronicles 2 had i think three or four number ones on it wow um Ask Back Home, Stereo Hearts, The Fighter with Ryan Tedder, and um, I could be wrong, but I think there was another one. And then um, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had a lot of a lot of joints. Um, I think Cupid definitely Cupid's a billionaire, kind of like <laughs> over like just mm. stomped over everything else that we did for a while. But, but is that sometimes kind of feel like like did it feel like a curse almost in the sense that you have some songs that are so huge that it kind of like overshadows the rest of your body of work i think that happens with everybody you know yeah. what i mean i think i, th I feel if like you're a lot lucky of, enough to have that fucking record you yeah know, like, yeah like it's like like no we're not playing this shit no more it's like whatever <laughs> like but but, but we're, we're we're creative so we're like we flip shit up and like you know like as long as we're having fun doing it like i, I i've never played a show and had, had it feel like a burden you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and like that's when it's time to go do something something else you know what i mean but I don't see it coming anytime soon. What kind of music do you get inspired by or motivated by at this point? Um, fucking, I'm a nostalgia junkie, bro. Like, really? I just love, like, like early, late, or late late '90s hip hop, like, um, '70s funk, like, huge on like like Philly soul, like Gambling Huff type shit. Mm. Um, but I'm also into fucking. You know, terror and everything, like, bro, like, my my music, my I'm I'm like, shout out Scott Vogel, all oh, the men, we gotta the get man. him on here.
You haven't had, had, had him on yet? No, but he hit me up after the Danny Diablo interviews. Shout yo, shout out to Danny Diablo. That's yo, like another I, legend. Yo, he told me that you, that that he had done uh, he, that he had done no jumper, and I was like, oh shit, like that's the that's the whole thing. That's Danny a blueprint for oh a legend God. right there, man. Absolutely, people are gonna be revisiting. Yo, that. I, I like I feel like I yo. <laughs> I get anxiety. I love, I love Danny to death, but I get anxiety because he's so intense. Like, but it's a it's a good anxiety. It's a good anxiety. You know yeah, yeah, no, he'll. Man, he had so many quotables on the podcast. I bet. I, like, I bet. I still am who I am. I still like to drink. Still like to do a bunch of coke. Fight. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Like, he's dead ass serious. Like, I am who I am, bro. At the end of the day, like I might have changed. I might have slowed down a little bit, but I ain't slowed down the whole way, bro. <laughs> I ain't slowed down the whole way. <laughs> That's all. That's a whole fucking. That's a whole Danny. I'm paraphrasing. Point. You should watch the interview if you want to hear what he actually said. But yeah. I have to. I have to. That's my man's for sure. Um, Did you have you have you had scam up here yet? No. That'd be oh, lit though. A it's whole a, a whole another uh, anxiety attack. Okay. He's so lit like that motherfucker. I could li- I could literally like just like watch him like for hours just do his thing did you see that when he went viral for the cat call shit no so like they some some uh website did this thing where like is it still cool to cat call in new york right. and they yo of all people they find scam and this motherfucker went he's like sweetheart twitch like, like starts cat calling like it become it became this whole thing and like he was everywhere for like a minute like wow yeah you gotta get scam up here he's got he's got some stories no that would be legendary I would he's got some stories sure. holy fuck all right, so what's what's your game plan for new shit that you want the the people out there to be in tune with? Um, actually, I'm I'm out here to um new album to do no jumper. Yeah, obviously. No, um, yeah. So uh, I just wrapped up a. I didn't just wrap it up. It's been wrapped up for a little bit. But um, uh, I just signed a, a one album de- album deal with Hopeless yeah. Records, and and really really excited about it, man. This album has been a probably eight nine years in the making you know what i mean like with everything that went on in gym class like i just said fuck it like i'll just come out of pocket i, I can't not see this album through you know what I mean? like i was just so attached to it and um wrapped up the album in nashville and then ended up during the pandemic we ended up recording like three or four more songs like remotely like <laughs> my, uh my my producer uh and one of my best friends, Jared, he uh, finagled some way for him to control, like, control the session from Nashville while I was at my crib. And um, one of those songs was Spoonful of Cinnamon, which we, we dropped a, a couple months ago. And uh, right. we're shooting a video this Thursday out here for the next joint. It's called um, Love Me Back to Life. And the album's called Never Slept Better. Um, when a give the people a couple more jams and then shoot the the release date out there but the album's done it's crispy i love it i can't stop listening to it i think uh um i think it's gonna it, it it's i think your archetypical um gym class fan definitely a word that's never been said on a jumper before <laughs> i feel <laughs> your archetypical gym class fan that's a good would, word though would would uh yeah i think they, they would definitely gravitate towards it but i I feel like I've definitely uh, grown, you know, within the time it's taken to make this record, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I, I just feel like I, I got a lot, a lot more confidence on this album, you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, there's a joint that's kind of like on some Bill Withers shit, like, that I never thought, I imagined myself doing, and I, like, 
12 vocal stacks and shit like wow. did a lot of like ex- I don't want to say experimenting but like you know like we I, I just try to push myself every every album just to kind of like come on motherfucker like you know what I mean like you they can listen to that that record if they want to listen to that record you know what I mean that's always been like a huge like one of those fucking voices in the back of my head like don't do anything like the last please mm. like just don't don't cause like I mean I, when, when Billionaire blew up you know I started getting like like influxes of folders from producers and mm. every song sounded like billionaire i'm like can y'all send me some shit without an acoustic guitar you know what wow. i mean and like a reggae rhythm please like <laughs> that's so funny and so it's it's, it's weird because some you know people get one taste of what you do and they think that's what that's what you do you know what i'm saying and like it was crazy i mean i'm getting like folders from like pretty like you know esteemed producers like and they're <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Well, like, that shit's hot now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't send that shit to anybody else. But, you know, you know like, like, now you got, like, a, you know, you got a fucking a Juice World or a Lil mm-hmm. Peep and, like, all these artists who basically were, like, kind of, like, referencing a lot of stuff from, like, the MySpace era in Hell their yeah. music. And it's, like, it's it's new again, mm-hmm. you know? And, and even those are artists, obviously, rest in peace over the yeah. past few years. But there's all, Sad, I mean, there's just a lot of influence like where mm-hmm. you can see the influence from shit that you guys were early on it's, 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 and it's love when people you know like you know kids that are they're doing today come up like yo like um who was i talking to like uh like i was working with my man remy the other day and he was just like bro like or even my, my man west period like i he's he showed i i, I worked I, work, I worked with him he came out to my crib for uh you familiar with west uh-huh. you should check him out he's uh-huh. really dope He's from out here. Um, okay. He came to the crib and we worked on this this project with a few uh, other homies from New York. And um, he showed me a picture of me and him at one of my shows from like fucking 2008 or some shit. Wow. And then we took another picture. Like it's like this was just a kid that was at one of my shows and now we're chilling, making music together. You know what I'm saying? Like shit like that. It's like yeah, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> We all grown up. Hell yeah. Not believe me. Thanks. Travi, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yo, thanks for having me, fam. Very uh very important story to be told right there, I think. Word up, word up. We're actually uh we're actually working on a documentary. Um my man Jason from uh Fever Three Three Three. And um yeah, we should we should uh that should be out once we get the shit sussed out and figured out. But yeah, right. we're gonna we're gonna work on it because he, he also came up biracial and went through the exact same shit I went through. You know what I'm saying? So we we kind of we kind of relate on that plane. You know what I mean? Like right. like kind of feeling like we're being tugged each and every way. But like he he did the same thing I did and said fuck it, I'm be me. You know what I'm saying? But thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it, man. Oh, for absolutely, real. you got teaching me how to do that motherfucking oh, the, kendama. The kendama. Well, nojumper.com <laughs> for everybody out there if you want to get your hands on one, Travi. Uh, no jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, easily, Patreon, easily. iTunes, all that. Like, comment, subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. I got to piss like a motherfucker right now. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Yeah, tour style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>